we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here in the East Coast, out West, Adam Stanko. Just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. We appreciate you all subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing with your friends. We really do appreciate it. Coming Thursday, as always, we do every week, we go ISO, a long-form interview with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA. And these days, nobody's touching the NBA on social media like our guest on Thursday, Josiah Johnson. That comes your way on Thursday, so make sure that you are subscribing so you do not miss any episode of Rejecting the Screen. Josiah Johnson, meme god, meme king. <laughs> Gotta come up with something better than that. Meme magician, meme... Maven, the Maven meme. I'll figure it out. Either way, that's on Thursday. King Josiah 54 on Twitter. Make sure you're following if you're not already. Coming up, all the threes. We're not old, but is it getting old? But first, Adam, let's start with Anthony Davis. It's going to be out a while. He's got Achilles tendinosis. So I'm going to read from the Cleveland Clinic the definition of tendinosis versus tendinitis. So tendinitis okay. is an inflamed, swollen tendon that doesn't have microscopic tendon damage. Okay, so that is inflammation, is tendinitis. Tendinosis, which Anthony Davis has, is a chronically damaged tendon with disorganized fibers and a hard, thickened, scarred, and rubbery appearance. So tendinitis is fairly common. Get over it. Tendinosis seems like a much bigger deal. For all the things that we could talk about, about Anthony Davis in this short term, and we're about to dive into, just you saying that has me concerned for the long term. I'm concerned for the long term. And you're right. Tendinitis, swelling, people get it in their knees, joints, that kind of thing. And but but tendinosis, it, it could be a major issue for him moving forward. And and for a guy who's as great as Anthony Davis is on both ends of the floor, that worries me for the long term. In the short term, Noah, and by short term, I mean this season, I think about all the implications of this. The Lakers defense has been so incredible. And Anthony Davis is such a major reason why. It, he enables them to do so much in terms of their switching, their length, I think about their depth and how important he is to their depth. And then the other big one for me, Noah, is even although Anthony Davis isn't having a wonderful season offensively, the fact that the team's had so much success and uh, was on a recent tear before losing to the Nuggets, but the fact that the team has had so much success this year, LeBron James's numbers haven't been as historically great as they have in the past, but he's the MVP front runner because of what the team is doing and really what the team is around him. Now, all of a sudden that depth takes a hit defensively. They take a major hit. What do you think this does for his MVP chances? Assuming Anthony Davis is out for quite a long time. Yes. I mean, they're by far their best five man lineup by far is LeBron, AD, Schroeder, KCP, and Caruso, which they've ended some games with by far. Mm-hmm. So that's, they're a 50, they're a plus 51 in the net rating. They've only played 32 minutes together, but the the lineup that has AD in it, that has, that has been oftentimes their starting lineup with LeBron, Gasol, AD, 
Schroeder and KCP. That's mm-hmm. a plus 14, and that's their their third best lineup. But that's the lineup that has played by far the most minutes. But Anthony Davis, for for this year, LeBron when LeBron started playing all the minutes, and all, or at least not just all the minutes, because his minutes are down, but all the games, my first thought was, all right, well, he wants that MVP, and he's going to mm-hmm. do everything he can to get it. But with AD out, LeBron's going to have to do a whole lot more, not just for not just for MVP, but to hold their standing where they are at the moment. So, I mean, right now, sitting at, at 21 and 7, as we record this on Monday, game and a half behind the Jazz, they're, they're only three games back. They're only three games up on the Suns in the fourth spot. And I'm not saying that the Lakers end up slipping to seven or eight and have to end up fighting in that play-in situation, seven, eight, nine, ten. But things are things are pretty crowded. And if LeBron is going to not have nights where he's able to take off, then this only hurts the Lakers in the end because of what it, because every time you're, you're risking LeBron out there. And we always say father time doesn't catch up to LeBron because LeBron is father time, but LeBron is not in LA with Anthony Davis in order to carry all the load. And that's what he's, going to have to do unless the Lakers, which I would think they would do, would be to make some sort of move because Marcus Gasol hasn't been cutting it. Yeah, you're right on on all accounts. And and here's the thing that I look at it this as is potentially going one of two ways. First, LeBron has played in every single game, as you as you point out, so far this season. With the idea being, I mean everyone was talking before the season about oh our stars gonna rest and the league is going to come down on them for doing so and all. And you point out, LeBron sort of looked at it like, well, okay, still to prove my greatness, to, you know, to again, you know, challenge myself. I mean, and that's what the greats do is find new ways to motivate themselves and all. He mm-hmm. has sort of said, let's run through this season and, and like how many games can he play? What can his impact be? And he has been brilliant. Uh, but I think there was always this thought of once the Lakers figure out where they're going to be slotted in the playoffs, what they want to be who they feel like they are then he could start to rest in in critical moments down the stretch if now all of a sudden that option is taken away as you point out that's going to be huge another thing is the only other laker who started every game is marcus Saul, which is mind-boggling and so now all of a sudden you're saying marcus Saul, do his minutes increase I don't know. I think Montrez Harrell. Now you look at, I think Kyle Kuzma's in, in minutes increase. And, and so the question now becomes if Anthony Davis is out, we know LeBron, of course, maybe his workload increases even more. I, I don't know if it's possible, but I will say if the Lakers can stay afloat and win, it will also help his quote unquote narrative case. Cause then everyone of course will say that'll wrap it up for him. If the Lakers have major success without Anthony Davis, you might as well just hand LeBron the MVP. Oh, sure. And, and I think he would deserve it, too. I mean, if LeBron mm-hmm. can keep this team in second place without Anthony Davis, oh. for sure. He, and he would deserve it, not just a narrative-driven MVP. He would deserve it for what he did on the court. Sure. But this defense yeah. is really going to struggle. Yeah. I mean, Montrezl Harrell doesn't play any defense. Marcus Gasol can say all he wanted about being a former defensive player of the year. He was a former defensive player of the year. The defense just doesn't cut it anymore. So this is... This is going to be a lot on Frank Vogel, LeBron, these other guys to alter this scheme and, as you said, stay afloat. I know nobody's playing defense in the NBA, 
but the Lakers have been winning some games by actually playing defense. Absolutely. And it's been, it's been twofold. It's been their defense. And the other big thing for the Lakers this season has been the three point shooting. And the other factor that I look at with Anthony Davis is when you flip back over to the offensive end, because you have LeBron and AD as such threats on the floor, it opens up so much for the other guys. And now I wonder about that three-point shooting, which was so suspect last year, and they were able to overcome it. This year has been a strength of theirs. And now without AD and his ability to pass the ball as well as draw double teams and his ability to score, now all of a sudden those guys who are getting wide-open looks, that's the other part that I worry about for the Lakers. All right, so speaking of three-point shooting, there's a whole lot of it, and we're not old. Adam and I are not old. But is three-point shooting itself getting old? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and the do-it-yourselfers or the try-it-yourselfers like the two of us would be. Mm-hmm. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. It offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. And it's for everybody, and there's no membership requirement there's no account login just a nice fine family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years did you did you get your car fixed yet i I did i did because of rock auto i mean but the amount but noah the luckily they have reliably low prices because i will tell you the amount of things i had to buy for this lemon that mike yam sold me is ridiculous you don't even want to know. Christmas tree lights in my dashboard. Thank you, Rock Auto. Thank you. Go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just go. That's how you navigate. You click on mm-hmm. the filters. It's that those are the those are the clicks. So you can see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand specifications and the prices you prefer. Right locked on L-O-C-K-E-D space on locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts like Anthony Irwin, Locked On Lakers, to get more on Anthony Davis. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today, wherever you get your podcasts. So as Adam and I text about the show, what we want to talk about, what leads us here is what Kirk Goldsberry tweeted about pushing back the three-point line, and then start to look at the numbers, then statistical trends. I started looking at quarterback passing numbers. I went down all sorts of rabbit holes. Did you know that Dan Marino, who's considered a top five quarterback of all time. My all-time Never favorite player. Bowl. My all-time favorite player. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Never won a Super Bowl, but considered a, a top five quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Marino's final season, 1999, he played in 11 games, and then he played in two playoff games. He threw five pick sixes in his final season. Five pick sixes. Unfortunately, it's not like the same as it's not the same as talking about like Jordan and the Wizards, but like Jordan gets 
destroyed for his Wizards days, yet he was he had some nights where he's putting up really big numbers. I kind of kind of made me think of then Marino's final season, and I was looking through different games. He lost his final break. It was like a sixty-two to seven game, but yeah. he was also player. He was also player of the week. His first week, what <laughs> he was player of the week, and he threw for two hundred and fifteen yards. <laughs> how times how times have changed. That's like it's like in the NBA if you were named player of the week and you averaged eight points a game, a quarterback throwing for two hundred and fifteen yards. Yeah, listen, I don't want to go down too far of a rabbit hole like you did, Dan Marino. Everyone who knows me and, and my family and. And my my friends back from from middle school, high school days all know my love for for Dan Marino. I have pictures and all, all that kind of stuff. And my, in fact, in in Hudson's room, my uh, my four year now four year old um, mm-hmm. autographed mini helmet from Dan Marino sits on the shelf in Hudson's room from so, Dan Marino, or you bought it? Let's let's say it, it, I didn't buy. I got it as a gift, but oh. Dan Marino signed it. So yes, he didn't give it to me like like Kobe gifted Adam Morrison, the Didier Drogba right. autographed Jersey, which you can go back and listen to that going ISO episode with Adam Morrison, but no. So um, I'm, I'm well aware. I, I experienced many of those heart heartbreaks, especially towards the end of his, his run there. It was not pretty his last season. Uh, so, all right. So where do you want to go? Where do you want to start here with moving the three point line? So my take on this thing is just how incredible right now, Noah, it is. In this current era, in terms of how much three-point shooting has dominated, we hear about it, right? Anecdotally, everyone can see it when you're watching the games and you hear this stuff. Oh, it's a make-or-miss league, all that kind of stuff. Greg Popovich, other coaches have spoken about it. But let me throw out this statistic. In 2012-2013 season, that was the first year that per game, for both teams, per game, there were 23-point field goal attempts three-point field goal attempts per game in the NBA. Before that, we had never touched the 20 mark. This season, 34.9. So we are coming up on doubling the 20 mark, which had never even been done before eight years ago. And in the last nine seasons, three-point attempts obviously have risen each season. So the fact of the matter is, for me, three-point shooting is dominating the game and it's impacting statistics across the board, including offensive rebound rate, which is at its lowest that it's ever been in league history, 22%. Teams aren't crashing the boards. Everybody's four out, maybe one in, maybe. Um, and the question really to me, Noah, is what Kirk Goldsbury brought up, and that's the idea of should the three-point line be moved back? And there are two, two points about that that I just want to say. Any rule change that you are going to do because you want to do it in the name of improving the game. I think you have to ask fundamentally, does it make the game more aesthetically pleasing? And does it make the game more difficult for great players? Because they're having too easy of a time with the current rules. And I leave the rest up to you. So there's so many more three-point shots being taken, but the percentage being made is at an all-time high at about 37%. I think... There needs to be a balance of the rules when it comes to being able to defend. So I think that we've gone way too far towards the offensive player where I'm not saying let's go back to where you can clutch and grab, but 
hand checking. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'm all right. I'm all right with that. I'm tired of seeing every player complain after every call, but I'm also mm. tired. And, and I'm also tired of not being allowed to play what is considered defense. Like there's, there's, there's too fine of a line between what is considered defense and what is considered a foul. I don't think the players understand it. I don't think the coaches understand it. I don't think officials understand it all the time. So there's, there's too much nuance there. So I think the players should be allowed to be a little bit more physical. Not the no blood, no foul situation, but be a little bit more physical. I'm not looking for games in the 80s. I'm not looking for a whistle to be blown all the time and sends everybody to the free throw line because I think that's often misunderstood that no one was going to the line in the 90s. A lot of guys were going to the line in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And... But I think there needs to be a rebalancing of this, pushing the th and and allowing and giving even big guys an opportunity to succeed in the league if they're not out there shooting threes. I, I think it's I think it's kind of ludicrous. I think there can be a meet me in the middle situation. It's it's so fascinating because there's two things I look at here. One, you bring up the '90s and and you know, the no crybabies era as, as, as it's often re referred to now. But one of the things that happened, people, people seem to forget, is that coaches came to an understanding that they could stay longer in the job, have greater job security if they kept scores low. And based upon the way the rules were currently constructed, that's essentially what they did. They would rather lose games 82 to 74 than lose them 110 to 102 because – they could make the argument to their owners, well, we play tough and we play hard-nosed and that's what we do. We grind out these games. So losing games when you don't give up a lot of points and your, and your defensive numbers stay low, and of course it wasn't until later when we got some of these advanced metrics where you could say, wait a minute, you're not necessarily a good defensive team. You're just putrid offensively and you limit your, your possessions. Your pace is low. That's all that it really is. It's not a question of you being a great defensive team because you slow the game down. And then the league, of course, started to put in these zone rules, which it, it, the intent was we need more shooters in this league. So if we now start allowing teams to play zone, and it actually worked. It, I don't think the league gets enough credit for that. When there was some, some of the institution of a zone, now teams started to say, we, hey, we can use three-point shooters. And that really is what started a lot of this, is that there was value now for guys who could really shoot the ball. And now guys like Steph and Obviously, Dame have taken it to another level where they're shooting it from 30, 35 feet out, which has really just changed the dynamics of basketball on the whole, um, has changed the geometry of the court, as it's often talked about. But the other point that's interesting, Noah, and this is the one that I struggle with, if you decide to extend the three-point line, what's the best shot in basketball? Corner three. You can't extend the three-point line in the corner any further. So now... If you extend the three-point line, unless you keep the corner three the same, you have to widen the court. If you keep the corner three the same, the shot that's already the most valuable shot in basketball now becomes even more valuable because three-point shots from like the top of the key or from the wing now, if you think about, are going to be so much deeper and further out. So your percentage is going to be so much higher in comparison at the, at the corner. And then the other part is if you widen the court, you may run into the same problem that people are worried about now where it really becomes wide open, spaced, and just all three-point shots. Right, and open lanes to the hoop. Exactly. Right. 
I hadn't thought about the corner three part. And then you widen the court, you take away seats. The league needs money. <laughs> there are just so many guys. Like right now, there are 18 players averaging 24 or more a game. 18. Five years ago, there were six. 18. And when you, when you look at those numbers, and then you'll oftentimes hear, well, he should be an all-star. He's averaging this. He's averaging this. Well, I mean, everybody is. So yeah. the numbers, the numbers themselves get lost. And I think that's what, like in the NFL, they do a good job. At least fans do a good job of putting things in perspective, thinking like, all right, yeah, Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing yards two years ago with over 5,000, but his team was seven and nine. Like Jameis stinks. Like he is an awful quarterback. Phillip Rivers was in that top five two years ago and his team went five and 11 Matt Ryan's team Matt Ryan was in there his team went seven and eight like the the top 20 passing yards seasons in the NFL Jameis has one this is all time Matthew Stafford has two Matt Ryan has two Kirk Cousins has one Eli has one and Tony Romo has one none of those guys are top 20 quarterbacks of all time if you look at top 20 scoring seasons in the NBA then yeah a lot of those guys are top 20 players of all time so we need more of the advanced numbers to be able to truly qualify what these guys are doing. And I, I, don't, I don't know if, it's, if you can compare it because it might be a little apples to oranges because when your team isn't good, then you're really throwing the ball a lot in the fourth quarter. But when your team is getting blown out or you're blowing out another team in the fourth quarter in the NBA, then your stars sit. So maybe that hurts their their total points. But either way, the shift the shift is here. And unless teams and unless the rules balance themselves out to where you're actually allowed to play defense a little bit. Like KG, we you know, and it's that QA that we talked about a few weeks ago that from his book in the New York Times, mm-hmm. when he said, Well, I don't think a lot of guys back in my day could play defense now because they can't they they couldn't run up and down the floor like this. And now you actually have to be that much better with your footwork. And I thought that was interesting, but going from one extreme to the other is in any walk of life is usually not a good idea. And I, and I don't think it has been here. I look at it and say, it's so difficult to compare eras in the NBA. And I remember growing up as a basketball fan, looking at the statistics in the 60s and saying, whoa, the big O averaged a triple-double? His rookie numbers were insane. What Will Chamberlain's doing, averaging 50 points and guys averaging 20 rebounds. And it wasn't just Will. You go back and, and look, and it's it was because of the amount of possessions and you look at the difference athletically between the top of the league and the bottom of the league and all that kind of thing. And so much of that has changed. It's become an international game. The pool of players now is so much greater. The skills are, are, are so great, but it's so difficult. And I actually blame a lot of this comparison of eras and guys wanting to just look at this, make it an apples to apples comparison when it is apples to oranges. I think it's in large part due to something. It always happened. I remember guys would always compare errors and say, Hey, how would the, best team from the sixties do against the best team from the eighties and all that always happened. But I think the Jordan LeBron thing, which everyone was always looking for, who's the guy to, to compare against Jordan. 
And when LeBron came around and had the wonderful, wonderful career he has, I think that comparison of LeBron and Jordan has made people want to put up a lot of these memes and charts and say, look at the statistical, you know, the, the, the statistical differences. But the truth is Jordan didn't shoot threes because nobody shot threes then. And if that was the part of the game that he wanted to work on in the offseason because the rest of the league was doing it and people, his coaches were saying this is our most efficient shot, you can be damn sure him and Tim Grover would have been working on that in the offseason. What we're looking forward to this week, Adam's got the NBA draft prospect to watch, and I've got a team that, yeah, we've all said is really, really boring. But a big week ahead. Hoops, college basketball, NHL, all in full swing. BetOnline.ag's got you covered. News, scores, odds, best place and best way to place a bet. And it's free to sign up. You can head to the website or you can use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive 50% welcome bonus. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So deposit 100 comes 150. They've got odds for everything. Real-time updated odds, props. They can make it fun. Just be careful. BetOnline.ag, it's your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKEDON, to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college hoops, the NBA, all the locks all winter long. It's cold outside. You want to make things a little bit warmer? A little extra cash in your pocket. So subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Adam, the team that leads the league in Nobody Talks About Us, I think it's they lead the they lead NBA history. I went back and looked at all the analytics. They lead NBA history in Nobody Talks About Us, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. And somehow the San Antonio Spurs are 16 and 11 as we record this on Monday afternoon, February 15th. So, and I used to always say on NBA radio, when we would start a season, like if you say nobody talks about, mm-hmm. I'm going to hang up on you. Because if you want to talk about them, talk about them. We were always told on the radio, nobody wants to hear about the Utah Jazz. Nobody wants to hear about the San Antonio Spurs. Play the hits. I never agreed with it. But we were always mm-hmm. told, play the hits, play the hits. Well, either way, there's always a place where somebody is talking about one of these teams. And actually, right here on Locked On, they have Locked On Spurs. I mean, you can, there's Locked On every single team. So every single day, there's somebody talking about your team. So you never have an excuse to say nobody talks about. But I'm going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. They're on the rodeo road trip, seven-game trip, 13 days. They've won the first two. They've got, they're in Detroit on Tuesday, in Cleveland on Wednesday. Oh, Cleveland and Detroit in, in mid-February. Beautiful, beautiful time of year. And then they're at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. Then they'll close up at Indiana and at OKC. When, and, and they're doing this without LaMarcus Aldridge, who's got a hip issue and there's no timetable for when LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be back. This team with, with Derek White and DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson, when those guys are performing, well, especially White and Murray, the fact mm-hmm. that they've been so good defensively and now it's looking as good as it is offensively is scary. And then 
Keldon Johnson, I remember watching him play in high school when he was at Oak Hill and loved the way he played. And of course, you've got DeRozan and Rudy Gay and Lonnie Walker. So I'm not just reading names, but like they're getting it done on on so many different levels. And the the only category that they lead the league in is turnover percentage. They're not turning the ball over, which is helpful when you're not elite in any other area. But how about this? Against teams that are plus 500 or 500 and better, okay? They're yep. 7 and 7. So they've played 14 games already against teams 500 and better, and they've got 7 wins. There've only been there're only two other teams in the entire league that have played 14 games against teams that are 500 and better and have 7 or more wins. The Lakers 8 and 6. The Kings 7 and 8. But it's just odd to say to odd to think that there've only been those only three teams have played 14 or more games against wow. teams that are 500 and better and have 7 and have 7 wins. What on the, on the flip side of that? How about this? The Orlando Magic 0 and 9 against teams 500 and better. The Chicago Bulls 1 and 9, the Miami Heat 1 and 9. Those wow. three teams those three teams together are combined 2 and 27 against teams 500 and better. And real quick, the other team we're going to look at this week, the Boston Celtics because Kemba said they need to play harder and sure Marcus Smart will help that whenever he does come back, but this week, look out. They've got their home against Denver on Tuesday, then they're back to back at home against Atlanta. And then Sunday, they're in New Orleans on an ABC game. So a lot of eyes on that one on Sunday. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. It's it's so funny. You talk about the play the hits with the with the Spurs. I I have to say it. I've I've mentioned this to you before, but I still it always it always cracks me up working as a segment producer for Sports Center, and we're trying to figure out what to do with our NBA segment and our afternoon mm-hmm. Sports Center in the meeting. And they come to me, all right, Adam, you got, I forget which NBA analyst. Hey, what's, what's the topic? And I go, all right, well, we got to start with the Spurs. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yep, yep. And I was like, no, of course, they're leading the league. They're the best team in basketball. They're on this winning streak. They were amazing back in 2012. And they go, oh, no way. We got to talk the Lakers. I'm like, the Lakers are in last place. Yeah, I know. But with all the drama and Dwight and Nash and all that, they said, if, and I remember the producer saying to me, if we lead with, the Spurs over the Lakers, I am going to get laughed at and possibly fired by my bosses. And it's, I guess, the team nobody talks about. Noah, the the college prospect that I'm most looking forward to this week is, is Jalen Suggs. We haven't had a chance to talk about him. Kid from Gonzaga that's pushing for the number one spot in the draft. And as Gonzaga's season winds down, and there's a lot of talk right now that they may not even play in the West Coast Conference Tournament because the NCAA has this whole uh, this this rule in place, essentially that you, I think it's seven straight days with no positive tests in order for your team to play in the NCAA tournament. So the idea would be that you know teams are now concerned. Well, wait a minute. If I play in my conference tournament and have a positive test, or somebody does something mm. foolish or whatever, we're in trouble. Or even if you get a false positive, why chance it? And there's a lot of talk like that going around. So NCAA is even looking now at about ways different teams can um, they're actually telling teams that they've extended the deadline. I think for when you can determine if it's going, whether it's going to be like your regular season champ or your conference tournament winner, that's your automatic qualifier for the NCAA tournament, just to deal with all this chaos as we, as we get ready for the NCAA tournament. But anyway, um, 
Jalen Suggs is a guy that was one of the higher rated players coming into the season for Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. People were excited. Big time football star in, in Minnesota, as well as being a basketball star. Could have played both sports in college. Goes to Gonzaga and has put himself on the map as a possible number one pick because he just looks different. No, he's got the size, 6'4", his explosiveness. It's that rare Russell Westbrook quality that you can't quantify statistically. But when you see him, he is the ultimate eye test guy where you look at and say he beats guys off the bounce. <clears throat> he has great feel for the game. He's explosive. When he gets in the lane, he has great way of contorting his body to finish. And then, of course, he can distribute. And he actually plays with great pace. A lot of guys who are great athletes and get up and down the floor and are explosive don't actually have great control and play with great pace, play at their pace. And Jalen Suggs is able to do that. He, I mean, we're talking about a, a point guard, shared some point guard duties with Andrew Nebhard, the Florida transfer. But the fact of the matter is for Jalen Suggs, he shoots – over 51% from the floor. And anybody who's capable of doing that from a perimeter spot, and part of the reason is because Gonzaga is so talented in general, so there's some great floor spacing. But the fact that a guard can do that just shows his ability to finish. NBA teams love this kid, and I think he's going to be a star at the next level for sure. He and plays. They beat Todd Golden's team consistently at the University of San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. They they um, have a matchup against St. Mary's on Thursday and then close out their season against San Diego. St. Mary's has is, is, had an issue with just playing games at all. And I wanted to talk about Suggs before we get too far because, you know, who knows if all of a sudden St. Mary's games get canceled and then now maybe San Diego, that's the last game he plays before the NCAA tournament if they decide to opt out of their own conference tournament. You know, how crazy – I have not watched, so I did not travel to call college basketball games this year, and mm -hmm. I had to travel in order to call them, so I didn't do it. This college, this college basketball season, like earlier today, as we recorded this on Monday, I saw the University of North Carolina. The University of North Carolina tweeting, you know, who's up for a game. <laughs> like, they need an opponent. They put it out on Twitter. Does that tell you the state of the world right now? I mean, who who wants to play between between how chaotic the college basketball season has been with all the the blue bloods losing as much as they have, not just Carolina, but obviously to Kentucky, Kansas, all that, that, that that's been crazy. And there's many reasons for that. And that's been one of the craziest things I've seen this year. And then the other crazy thing was when an NBA announcer this week said that with his team up to with less than 10 seconds to play that they would still foul the other team because why take the chance of letting that team hit a three potentially to beat you. This episode is brought to you by rock auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that locked on sent you Frank. I saw unable to join us on the program today, but Josiah Johnson Mm -hmm. King Josiah 54 on Twitter, the one who makes everybody laugh. Can't wait. Everybody. Can't wait. E even if you don't understand the meme, it still makes you laugh. <laughs> I've fallen down into that before. And he does them so quickly. we got to ask him about that. Like, how does he turn those around so quickly? Going ISO on Thursday with Josiah Johnson. We're on Instagram sometimes at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. 
Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Check that out, all things NBA drafty. Does appreciate our final segment on on Tuesdays as Adam breaks down the college prospect or the NBA prospect currently in college or playing G League Select. Also Locked On NBA, five days a week, the national program, Collinger and Duncan and Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. You can also go back and listen to our conversation with Josh Lloyd, who is in Melbourne, which is now on lockdown again, I believe. And enjoy that conversation with Josh Lloyd. Also, you can hear our conversation with David Locke last week, who I don't think appreciated the quote I pulled out about Rudy Gobert. (laughs) But I posted it twice because he was on a Rudy Gobert tear Supporting Rudy and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm all confused. I'm confused as well. But I still got a job. That's okay. For now, I guess. Adam, <laughs> thanks, pal. You're the best. <laughs>